The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Tuesday, June 6th in Hong Kong, Monday, June 5th in New York. And coming up today, the SEC accuses Binance and its CEO of breaking U.S. securities rules. Apple debuts its mixed reality headset. And China Evergrande's property management unit post a profit for 2022. Former Vice President Mike Pence files paperwork to run for president, heavy fighting reported in the Ukraine, and the FBI director faces a contempt of Congress hearing. I'm Dan Schwartzman with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has accused Binance and its CEO, Changpeng Zhao, of breaking securities rules. The SEC alleged that Zhao and Binance mishandled customer funds and misled investors and regulators. Among the allegations, the SEC said that two Binance-linked tokens, BNB and BUSD, were securities that the firm improperly offered and sold. The regulator also alleged that Binance and its U.S. affiliate were not actually independent from one another and improperly functioned as an exchange. We heard from Bloomberg's Lydia Bayoud. The U.S. entity of Binance, which has long claimed that it walls off U.S. customers from from accessing the international site, you know, the SEC seems to be alleging that that was not, in fact, the case or that controls weren't sufficient. Binance called the SEC complaint disappointing, saying it had engaged with the regulator in good faith negotiations to settle the matter. The crypto exchange also said that the SEC was misguided in not providing clarity over rules for digital assets. And we did see cryptos take a hit. Bitcoin traded uh, down to 25,000 and change. At the moment, it has ticked up two-tenths of a percent, 25,688. Well, U.S. regulators have a plan to fortify the U.S. financial system. Large U.S. banks may have to boost their capital by an average of 20 percent. We have more from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. Bank regulators are considering new rules after several smaller regional lenders collapsed earlier this year. That means a broader swath of banks would face strict requirements for setting money aside under a draft plan designed to bolster the U.S. financial system. Specific increases would depend on a lender's business model, and banks with at least $100 billion in assets may have to adhere to the regulation. A trade group that represents major financial institutions says the proposal would burden businesses and borrowers and hamper the economy. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. 
Well, we mentioned it was a big day for Apple. Let me say first that Apple stock did trade down a little bit, uh, but more or less in line with what we saw in the marketplace, uh, off about three quarters of 1%. The big day announcing the long-awaited mixed reality headset at the Worldwide Developers Conference and also some other new products and updates. Bloomberg's Tom Busby has more. After more than seven years of development, Apple finally unveiled the Apple Vision Pro, a $3,500 mixed reality headset. It'll be available next year. It's Apple's first totally new hardware product since the Apple Watch made its debut about eight years ago, seen by some as a successor to its wildly popular iPhone in terms of future revenue. The company also announced a new 15-inch MacBook Air laptop, as well as updated software and features for the iPad and the iPhone. But investors didn't seem all that impressed on Monday, sending shares of Apple down three quarters of one percent. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, as I mentioned a short while ago, decision day for the Reserve Bank of Australia and economist and money market seem to be divided on which way the RBA will go. Today's decision, 2.30 p.m. Sydney time, and we have a preview now from Bloomberg's Paul Allen. One third of the 30 economists surveyed by Bloomberg expect the RBA will raise its cash rate to 4.1%. The majority, including the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, anticipate it will stand pat at 3.85% and traders are pricing in about 50-50 odds. Last month, Governor Philip Lowe took RBA watches by surprise when he unexpectedly hiked interest rates following a pause in April. His rhetoric, however, has recently turned more hawkish as he weighs renewed price pressures against a slowing economy. Last week, Lowe said that the RBA board will do whatever is necessary to bring consumer price gains back down to the central bank's 2-3% target. The RBA's own forecasts show inflation only returning to the top of its target in mid-2025. I'm Paul Allen, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The Australian dollar pretty steady here this morning, 66.19 US cents, but up from yesterday. Well, Evergrande Group's property management unit has posted a profit for 2022. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has more from Hong Kong. Evergrande Property Services saw a net income of 1.42 billion yuan, or about 200 million US dollars in 2022. That's an improvement over a loss in 2021, according to a delayed earnings report. But profit was far less than an estimate of 3.8 billion yuan. The disclosure is a key milestone toward the lifting of a stock trading suspension. The suspension has been in place for more than a year. If the ban were to be lifted, it would help creditors work out the merits of a restructuring of debt. Evergrande has offered to swap debt for equity as part of the overhaul. But in order for the ban to be lifted, Evergrande still needs to show that there are no reasonable regulatory concerns on management integrity. That's hanging in the balance. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Day, Brigasia. And Doug, some other developments we'll be taking a look at this morning. Uh, this may disappoint some investors. China is sticking with targeted steps to help the economy uh, instead of any broad measures. They'll be looking at property and manufacturing uh, it suggests that at least for the moment, the, the broader stimulus like interest rate cuts uh, seem to be off the table. And there was a, an interesting quote from Zhou Jia at Credit Agricole saying that Chinese officials are eyeing more quality of growth, not just the pace of the expansion. Yeah, it's kind of an exercise in surgery, isn't it? Where you really get in and you become mm. much more specific and targeted about the areas in which you'd like to see uh, the economy do better. One of the things that I was struck by, Brian, if you look at this services PMI that we had today, and coupled with the fact that that manufacturing PMI last week showing contraction for a seventh straight month, we seem to be in a world where some 
PMIs, particularly in Asia, are improving a little bit, but it seems to be a different story here in the U.S. I wonder what that says about global growth right now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you point that out. I, I was looking at um, the ISM number there, and, and it's just barely in expansion. And uh, we had the Caixin services yesterday, which doesn't get a lot of coverage because it comes after the official PMIs. But it was up to 57.1 in May, and that's higher than what we saw 56.4 the month before. And it was also stronger than the survey estimate. So even though we're thinking of a stumbling recovery in China, the services number was pretty strong. So, and if you believe what the consensus call is for the Fed to hold rates steady next week, keep it options open, maybe, for hikes later this year. Bloomberg Economics right now says when you take everything into consideration, we're looking at a recession before the end of the year is out. Yeah, we'll put that question to James Abate. He's coming up, Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Center Asset Management, one of our favorite guests here on the program. Well, we love them all, but James uh, definitely is a standout. Now it's time for Global News. Well, let's take a closer look here at some of the top stories. Uh, we've got Dan Schwartzman in the Bloomberg Newsroom. Dan. Hey, Brian. Tensions remaining high between the U.S. and China. Two recent in incidents highlighting that tension as a Chinese warship sailed in front of a U.S. destroyer, missing the ship by about 150 yards, while a Chinese jet recently crossed in front of an American spy plane over international waters. U.S. National Security Council Coordinator John Kirby talking about the incidents. These are uh, part and parcel of uh, an increasing level of aggressiveness by uh, the PLA, the PRC's military, uh, in particularly in the area of the Taiwan Straits and in the South China Sea. Kirby was speaking at the White House. Former Vice President Mike Pence has filed the necessary paperwork to run for president. President Trump's former VP joining a field that continues to get more crowded as former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum are expected to announce this week. One name that has decided not to run is New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. A House committee will vote on a contempt of Congress resolution against FBI Director Christopher Wray on Thursday. The move comes after Wray did not comply with a subpoena for a document held by the FBI the Republicans say links President Biden to a $5 million bribery scheme with an unnamed foreign national. The FBI says it produced a document in a reading room at the Capitol. New details emerging regarding the private plane entering restricted airspace over Washington yesterday before crashing in Montebello, Virginia, with four fatalities. Bloomberg's Nancy Lyons with more. The incident prompted F-16 fighter jets to scramble to see why the plane was in restricted airspace. They discovered the pilot was unconscious. Adam Gerhart with the National Transportation Safety Board says there are plenty of unanswered questions. When exactly did the pilot become unresponsive? And why did the airplane fly the flight track that it did fly? The plane eventually crashed near Stanton, Virginia, and Gerhardt says the wreckage is scattered and in mountainous terrain, making for a tough recovery. Thanks, Nancy. An ongoing hacking campaign has claimed British Airways, pharmacy chain Boots, and the BBC as victims. The payroll provider to those companies, Zealous, says a cyber attack may have compromised personal information of thousands of employees of those companies. The government in Nova Scotia, Canada, has also been named a victim in this scheme, with potentially thousands of companies still vulnerable to be compromised as well. California state leaders are blasting Florida Governor and Republican presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis. The anger stems from 
two flights of migrants from New Mexico to Sacramento that were sent there allegedly at the direction of Florida officials. California Governor Gavin Newsom has hinted that the state could pursue criminal charges against DeSantis for the moves. Global News 24 hours a day powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Dan Schwartzman and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat. Our guest is James Zabate, Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer, Center Asset Management. So a little bit of weak data there today, but the data has been mixed of late. There's been a few things that were stronger than expected. Uh, how do you see the Fed moving at this uh, this month's meeting, James? Well, I think if you look, um, and really during the entire cycle, the one-year Treasury yield has led the Fed funds rate over this entire period. And similar to the peak of the rate cycle tops in 2000, 2006. Right now, we see the Fed funds rate trading at about 50 basis points premium above the one-year Treasury note. Um, and that's the widest we've seen of this cycle. And each time that's occurred, that has indicated that the Fed be on hold. And as we've always said, we think that you know the Fed's target here during this entire cycle was to raise the real Fed funds rate, that's the mm. Fed funds rate minus inflation, yeah. to positive territory. And if you look at tips, whether it's five years or out through 10 years, they're around 1.5% positive. So I think the Fed could say mission accomplished in terms of the hiking cycle, but they will definitely wait for inflation to subside further before, I think, moving again. But they will, be, they will basically pause, I think, at, at the upcoming meeting. Well, I mean, they should. Don't you think here, James? Absolutely, because what you see is, you know, inflation figures coming down in goods. If you look at commodity prices today, even with the very positive news with regard to Saudi Arabia cutting supply of oil, oil prices and industrial commodity prices were relatively muted. What that tells you is that there's a demand problem. And that indicates some kind of cyclical uh, downturn. And perhaps if you think about where inflation has been embedded in the last few months, it's been in the services sector. And to the extent that the ISM services figure came in today at around 50, you know, indicating uh, no longer expansion and less pricing pressure in the services sector, I think it gives the Fed the opportunity to to really pause here at this point in time. Well, well, certainly with all these uh, T-bills, which are going to be coming to the market as well, I mean, we're talking a veritable tsunami, nearly a trillion dollars worth. Now, my point here is also, that's going to suck liquidity out of the system. That's number one. Number two, Who's going to buy them? Well, I think you'll see the banks and pension uh, funds continue to be buyers, particularly as we saw an announcement of a potential raise in capital requirements for banks. Uh, banks have been the most you know, voracious buyers of Treasury bills and bonds over this uh, period of time since the Fed has launched quantitative easing and even during the current period of time. So you're still going to see very healthy demand for, particularly at these types of yields, 
from the major institutions in the financial services sector, insurance, banking, et cetera. You noted the slowing, but what was unusual was at the end of last week, we had a, a real bounce in cyclical stocks, uh, as though people might give uh, the NASDAQ 100 stocks a little bit of a pause and pile into the more equal weight companies. Uh, but it seems to run counter to that slowing economy that you mentioned. Yeah, it does. And I think one of the most frustrating things for you know active managers is that what we have witnessed thus far is you know the dominance of cap weighted indices against equal weighted indices it, it, it is frankly unheard of if, if you're thinking about this being a new bull market um, you know if you look at any beginning of a bull market whether it goes back to even 1990 2002 2009 2020 equal weighted has always outperformed cap weighted i think that's consistent with what we're seeing in the sense that people are gravitating towards higher quality larger companies because we're still in the phase where um, profits are decelerating um, sales growth is decelerating um, the outlook is kind of deteriorating but not at a uh, at a at expedited manner so people want to gravitate towards quality we're nowhere near the bottom of the economic cycle or the profit cycle which is why you know it's been an environment where quality and larger cap companies as demonstrated by the differential between cap-weighted and equal-weighted indices have uh, have shown. Well, I, I just want to, you know, the second part of my question was, of course, about liquidity. And I just want to ask how much do you think the Fed is cognizant of the uh, way that credit has tightened and how that's doing their job for them partly? Yeah, I think that's the other thing to look at in the fixed income world. And probably more important, it's not so much what the Fed funds rate is doing, but to look at the spreads. And right now, we've actually seen for the first time, you know, a noticeable uptick in uh, junk bond yields. Um, this has been, you know, quite significant. It's nowhere near the levels that we saw back in the global financial crisis or even back in 2000. But the Fed has to be well aware that the risk off and the spike in junk bond and even investment grade bonds has been uh, quite dramatic and uh, something to be uh, another another notch to basically give them some caution here to let it play out. We don't often talk extensively about China, but we can do for a, a moment or two. I think some investors may be looking for more stimulus from authorities in China, but it seems that they want to stick with the targeted approach. Uh, it's, it's a mixed environment there in much the same way it's mixed in the U.S. So would you deploy capital to China at this juncture? It's been very frustrating, you know, in our global infrastructure fund and other global investments that we manage. You know, China, uh, whether it's uh, in, via Hong Kong or onshore, has been, um, you know, a continuing source of frustration and continues to stay in a trading range. Um, you know, uh, we seem to continue, and it was touched upon in the news segment, of having this uneven recovery globally. And a lot of it has to do with uh, when individual economies unleashed or allowed uh, COVID restrictions to come off. And that's what makes this cycle so difficult to navigate, whether it's here in the United States or in China, is to somehow reconcile a historical business cycle, stock market cycle, to the very unusual set of circumstances, both in terms of the drop in, recover drop in uh, economic activity and the extraordinary stimulus following COVID, which was really a very short period of time ago. And I'm almost of the belief that we have to kind of you know, think about this cycle 
within a, a, lo- a longer period of time. This is not a very specific set of, of quarters to look at, but look back and somehow blend the COVID environment to this current cycle to somehow give a, a better picture to compare it to other periods of time. Well, this is it, isn't it? The base effects of, uh, uh, you would have thought, would have been flattering the economic data coming out of China of late. But uh, uh, no, not really. It's actually just highlighted how perhaps things are looking bad. But then again, you look at the market there, and it's incredibly uh, um, good in terms of uh, valuations being inexpensive. And uh, I think it was Bank of America which came up with a great line, which was, uh, China's too cheap to shorten, too mediocre to go long. <laughs> yeah, that being said, you know, one of the biggest dangers that uh, or, or, or traps that value investors fall into is buying low PE companies just before the E disappears and they become, you know, PE, which which are incalculable because there's no earnings. The fact is, China's market is much more cyclical than the United States. You know, what we've seen, particularly with the offshoring over the past couple of decades, is the inventory and capital intensity cycles that used to be resident here in the United States and Europe have been basically imported into China. So that capital uh, cyclicality, um, you know, gives operating leverage a much kind of larger standard deviation. So if indeed the global economy is starting to slow down and U.S. consumers in particular are going to slow down, that's going to have a significant impact on China's and uh, manufacturing capabilities and, and productivity mm. and utilization rates. And you'll see, you know, companies that are earning in very low PE attractiveness from a optical perspective go to loss making, which will uh, basically make that valuation seem, uh, you know, not so appealing. James, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. James Abate, Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer, Center Asset Management. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.